Abba Yahweh, again you have blessed me with breath, brought me up, brought me out. Father God, to be your conduit for your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Thank you, Father, for the sharing with my brothers and sisters and those that are still pondering and seeking and wondering. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to tug on their hearts, pull them in to listen. And these words from your treasury, Father God, for anyone and for them that hear with a spiritual earring, hear your voice calling. I am speaking, but you're calling, Father. You give me this. Bless me this way. Thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman. Paraklitos, Aman. So I was going to talk about something, but then it was, hmm, the pondering was developing as if it was my platform. This is not about me or mine. This is about the Lord God. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus, our Savior, our King, our sacrificial lamb that came to be sacrificed for us. And here's the thing that we all need to remember and those that are unsure of what pardon me, sorry about that, is that the Lord came in the guise of a man, a child, a baby, a mammon. He was tempted on the face of this earth as a man because he was wholly a man and he was wholly our Lord. You say, well, how can that be done? Because the maker of all things made willed it to be so. Here's the other thing that's really important to remember is that while we were yet at enmity with God, he chose that Jesus would come and sacrifice himself, which he did. He knew what was coming. He knew what was going to happen. Just like he knew before anybody knew of the issues that were going on with the apostles, his disciples. He knew many times before they say, but he likes us to come before we say it and talk to him. There's something we need to really, really understand. While we were yet at enmity, Jesus died for us. We were at enmity with God. We would shake our fists at God. God, you never let me do this. You never let me have that. Why don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you? And you shake your fists at the heaven. The nation of Israel did that. Oh my goodness gracious. He took them out of bondage, out of slavery that they had been working at hard labor at 400 years give or take. Joseph had brought the nation to Egypt. Because what his brothers intended for wickedness or evil, God made it good. And looking in retrospect to this, God had these things planned out. Wow. Oh yeah, he always does. But they sold Joseph into bondage and then they in turn sold him and sold him and sold him and he ended up and they came back and they lied to their father because the coat of many colors that his father had made for him, they brought back and covered in blood and lied to him and said that he was dead. They sold him into slavery. Thought they'd never see him again. And they got tired of hearing about his dreams. Joseph had... Joseph had a prophetic hand laid on his heart and on his mind. He could see and discern things. And it was a hardship on him because his brothers did what they did because 
Joseph was told that he would have, his brothers would bow to him, that we, he would have authority, that he would rise up. And so they got tired of hearing about his dream and they thought they wouldn't have to hear about it anymore. And then they went and walked into the reality of his dream and what the Lord had designed for him. They walked into it. They didn't even know who he was because he was just a teeny bopper when they sold him into slavery. Buried him in a hole to let him die is what they had originally done. And then they decided that they'd, <clears throat> they'd make some money on his life, which then they sold him. But when the land was in famine and in jeopardy, Joseph, who had risen to prominence in the land of Egypt and who is favored by the Pharaoh, and in his guise that he took on that persona, he made them feel pretty miserable. And then he revealed himself and forgave them, and they were ashamed at what they had done. <clears throat> Are we not ashamed of what we do? And they came and they begged his forgiveness, and he forgave them, he loved them, he was their brother. How much more, or how much less, depending on your perspective, is God going to love us for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus, our Lord, came and sacrificed his life for ours. Did so willingly. We tend to forget. And then we sit here on the face of this planet. And we, oh, I wish I may, I wish I might. I'd sure like to be like my neighbor, Mike. He's got so many cars, he's got a big house. Tons of money. And me, I'm just such a little scruffy mouse. Okay, here's the deal. You gotta quit comparing yourselves to others. You have to quit comparing yourself to others, which is what we do constantly. See, Satan loves to do this in the church because it causes derision and it causes derisiveness to grow. People compare themselves constantly. Gosh, I wish I was like elder so-and-so. I wish I was like um, teacher so-and-so and this and that. And why can't I do this? And why can't I do that? I can, I'm just as good as they are. And then... Unfortunately, what does happen sometimes is they start getting people on their side, which there is really no side except the side of righteousness and what God has. Here's the thing. I saw this and I saved it. You're perfect for what God intended you to do, and you think he's got nothing. Uh, how dare you? There's nobody better to do it. And you think you're not. How dare you? There's nobody more qualified to do it. To do what? I'm not doing anything. I just feel so useless. How dare you? You've got what it takes because God put it in you. And here's the problem that we run into. We start comparing ourselves to other people. We start comparing ourselves to this or that and the other thing, or I can do that and I have the case. And this is the typical, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Syndrome that affects so many people, not just the small children, because guess what? You're God's child. Whether you like it or not, you do the exact same thing. Oh, yes, you do. You do the exact same thing. Well, God, when are you? How come? Why? Are we there yet? Am I there yet? Are you done with me? What's going on? You don't seem to be using me for anything. How come you're not using me for anything? Whew. We should just be lucky. No, 
No such thing as luck. We should be blessed that God is not like many adults and parents that get tired of hearing that and they smack their kid upside the jaw or something, they slap them, they get tired of it. Prayer. When you get agitated and stressed and you're wondering what God's going to do, pray about it. <coughs> Pardon me. So what we need to do is seek his face in all things and pray. Pray forgiveness. But here's what we really have to remember. While we were yet at enmity with God, Jesus came to die for me. Look around these things that Satan is doing to this world. Keep in mind, keep in prayer that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord. You love the Lord, you're doing what he is, you're paying attention to what he's asking and requesting for us to do. Share the gospel. Many label heads are not doing that. They just claim to be something that they're really not. And like it says in the book of John, you claim to walk in the light with the Lord and yet you still walk in darkness. You are a liar. The Bible says that, blessed to the Lord, by John, written it, wrote it down. But he's not the author. God's the author. You don't like it when God gets in your face and calls you a liar and you try to say, well, that, that, that John said that. John. John wrote what God told him to write. If God calls you a liar, then you are a liar. And what you need to do is, and it can be fixed. It can be mended. There is a sure fix epoxy that will never break unless you break it. And that's God's glue. And what is God's glue? God's glue is forgiveness. All you have to do is ask for God's forgiveness. Father, forgive me for trying to usurp your authority and your sovereignty of Lord God, maker of all things made, and that I tried to decide which way I would go. I went right instead of the left detour sign that you put up. It was there. I saw it, Father, but I decided that right was better and saved me time, and now my car just washed down the river. Father, forgive me for being so stubborn. Forgive me for being so arrogant. Forgive me for just not paying attention and thinking that I know better than you do. This is what we often do. We compare ourselves to others, which is definitely, as many, <coughs> pardon me, many others have said, is a slippery slope. I want to be like my neighbor Mike because he's got so much stuff. Whoa, wait a minute. He's got so much stuff. What do you need more stuff for? Because then you're going to get caught up in your stuff. You're going to get caught up in these things and you are usurping God or you are taking and pushing God aside because now you have made something your idol instead of worshiping God. You worship this thing. It becomes dangerous, it becomes dangerous and Satan loves to see us do this because he knows that we are going to compare ourselves to others and that we will become at enmity with them. We will become derisive with others and we will try to get people to choose sides of who's a better this or that in the church, me or Bob or Robert or James or, or Brian or Paul or, or anything, any, any name you throw in there, and it, men or women. They did that in the church at Ephesus. Paul wrote to them and he talked about two ladies who got so derisive within the church and they actually created factions within the church body. to take sides with one or the other against one or the other. And it got so bad that the factions were arguing and fussing with each other and they wouldn't even sit on the same side of the church. They wouldn't mingle, they would suffer, they wouldn't go in the same doorway. It got bad. Let me share this truth with you. It happens today. 
I've seen it happen today where there are individuals that are at enmity within the body of the church and in the same church building, they won't even go in the same door, the foyer, to enter the auditorium to go in and worship God and pray, and yet they go in and they mass us, but you see them casting glaring looks at one another. What is that? That doesn't belong there. The demons dance and the devil die, and they were so glad to see this happening, that they were succeeding in the derisiveness in the church. Let me tell you this about that. I am in prayer and I rebuke that going on in this house because the enemy has attempted to get my agitation and my dander up and my ire. It has no place in my church. It has no place within me. Jesus Christ said, I, and I give you authority to step on the heads of the serpents and scorpions and even unto the enemy himself. What does that mean? That means that Jesus, our Lord, the only begotten Son of God, has given us authority to step on the demons. Bible speak for demons, serpents, scorpions, which come skittering and slithering in, sneaking in the cracks in the dark and... <coughs> Pardon me. See, Satan likes to play with me while I'm trying to share. That's okay. I rebuke that. I rebuke them. I rebuke him because Jesus has given us the authority. The demons, the snakes, the scorpions, the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans historically are, are actually very highly intelligent individuals. Excellent at guerrilla warfare. And they were the counselors when they were diminishing in Babylon. They were the counselors of Nebuchadnezzar as time went on. They were adept at map reading and star reading and, and intelligent in that way. But also I shared with you that they were adept at other things. They're warriors who are really, really good. And they're those that they would call scientists in those days, we would not call them that, but they were really, really good. They just were a good people that had gone awry or astray, which is what happens often. <clears throat> but you have to understand the Bible speak. We have given, been given by Lord Jesus anointed of God, our Christ, with authority. <clears throat> People get so discouraged, they get frightened, and they allow fearfulness. Remember, I've shared this with you. God does not mind that we're afraid. He knows we're afraid, and he doesn't mind that. As long as we share the fear with him, pray to him, and ask for his guidance. He will guide us through. Always make sure that you're holding the righteous right hand of God and you're praying through the Holy Spirit and for his accompaniment <clears throat> on wherever we're walking. And we have to remember and have faith that the detour is the road. I love these contemporary songs. I've shared titles with you before and I've shared the lyrics with you before. They're so appropriate and they're so coming from the scripture and they're so speaking to my heart. I love them. Have faith that the detour is the road. And uh, the young lady that sings that song, I forgot her name. Sorry, young lady. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Look what you've done. And she's talking about the lies that she came to believe about her, that Satan talks about us. You know, you're not as good as Bob, Ryan, Joe, Mary, Jane, Eloise, you know, you hear those words in your head, you're not as good as they are. Or, you know, you're just as good as they are, or even better, and you can do this and you can do that. And then we start comparing. And then what happens when we start doing that and we fall down that slope and we hit the bottom and we waller in the mire at the bottom and then we dig deeper and deeper. And then what do you start doing? You start to think that you could have chosen better than God. 
Whoa, Nelly, hold on there. What did Jesus say when he was giving that authority to us? He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning. Why? Because he declared himself to be as good as, as wise as, as powerful as. Guess what? He found out different and that that was not true. We do that same thing and we think that we're better. Take a look around you. You see these people that are injecting Botox and all this stuff. Some of these things are so absolutely ridiculous. I saw one the other day and and uh, Cheryl said it was scary looking. But then you look at him. See, here's the thing. As a young guy, I used to do all the weights and all that stuff there. I was really uh, the gunnery sergeant, and I used to go and work out. There was a there was a reason for this, and then other jobs that I had, there was a purpose behind this thing, and, and it was a guise. It was a ruse. Um, it was good. I mean, it was thing, but we did the natural thing, and this guy I saw the picture of, and it was indeed scary, but you can tell that it was artificially done. They have this medication that makes everything faster and better and this is a lie of mammon just like medications oh we can make it better faster stronger no you can't god made it originally where did all these all all the medications all the medications all the medications that are pandered out to individuals by big pharma and people will gobble them up like candy and believe everything that these despicable individuals will share with you but this originated in plant medicine from God. God put it in the earth naturally. And his is better. But mammon has decided they tried to usurp God's authority. We can make it better, faster, and stronger. And what are they doing? They're poisoning the people of the world because those things that they put in it from the laboratory are poisonous. They don't tell you that. And they change labeling so that you're misdirected, misguided. It's like a, it's like the smoke and mirror effects of magicians or illusionists. They're not magicians. They're illusionists. They elude you into thinking that this is happening, and they distract you with something over here, and you don't see what happens over here until the prestige happens, and then it's like, wow, how did they do that? Oh my gosh! Well, they did that by misdirection which is exactly what's happening today. Sadly, now there are some things that God has guided through, and there are some doctors that are good at what they do, and they allow that their heart be guided. Those are good doctors. I'm not saying that all doctors are terrible, but let me tell you, I've met some that are pretty despicable. They just hand you a medication, they tell you to do this, and they tell you to do it, and individuals will say, oh, well, they have to know best because they're a doctor. No, they don't. They make mistakes. And listen, I met a brilliant doctor. He was 80 years old when I met him. His eyes were as clear as he was when he was probably a teenager in his 20s or even just started medical school. He'd been practicing medicine for over 80 years, so he had been, He started out really young. But his, hand, his strength in his hands and the clarity of his eyes. And he told me something that was so profoundly wise. Why do you think they call it practicing medicine? That's a term that's used throughout. Doesn't matter how long they've been doing it. Well, I've been practicing medicine for 60 years, 50 years, 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years. Oh, well, I actually just finished school, so I haven't been practicing that long. And that term is used frequently, and that's exactly what it is. Why? Because every individual is not the same. God made us different. He made us different for a reason. He's got things for us to do. And the doctors have taken that and twisted and turned around trying to make everything the same, that they use the same medicine for this person because their symptoms, it's not that way. God made us all different. And he, and my heritage, my native heritage, they learn from the animals. And when people see the bear, they think that it taught them how to be fierce and warrior-like and strong in battle. Well, that's not what the bear was about. 
Here's something that will surprise some, and probably most. The bear was actually a teacher. The shaman, not a medicine man, not a witch doctor, those are not synonymous, they're different. And incidentally, something that you might not know is that Native Americans, what you call Indian cultures, they were closer to walking with God than many of us are or were. The great spirit they believed was in, in everything because when God makes us, made all the creation, parts of him were put in there. <clears throat> it was put in us to draw us to be closer to him so that we feel that. The bears taught the shaman, the elders, what we would call the, the neighboring physician, had his clinic was within and the medicine that they learned from the bears who taught them what where they could find food taught them how to fish and taught them what medication was used for outside the body and it would eat certain plants for something that was inside the body and they followed they took notes and this is what they did and they found that it was good and they started using doctors now we can make it better faster stronger and fill people with poison Side effects is, side effects that. Side effects is, side effects that. The only side effect that God puts is called blessings, mercy. Whoa. And that's part of the plan anyway. Here's something else we need to totally understand. And I love this. was in one of my teacher's writings and when I read it for the day that we actually have one of the best guides ever and that is in the form of Paracletos what is that? some of you may have not heard the word and you hear me say it Abba Yahweh Yeshua Paracletus Amman. Father, maker of all things made. Jesus, Yahshua. Paracletus, Holy Spirit. Amman. Praiseworthy. And this is what he says, and let me share it with you. Jesus was getting ready to leave. He was getting ready to leave us, and he told his disciples that stayed with him and were following him. I have to leave. I have to leave here because I need to go and prepare a place. I need to prepare where you're going to live. I need to, I need to straighten it out. I need to clean these things. I need to, whatever he was going to do, he said, I have to go and prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. Be of good cheer, I give you peace, and I will have my Father to send another in my place. But if I don't go, then your place is not going to get prepared. The counselor, the comforter is not going to come. Because you're not going to come and try to occupy my space, and I can't sit here because if I stay here, then I'm occupying his space. So... I've got to go. One of us has got to be gone so the other can do. So Jesus came and fulfilled what he was supposed to fulfill. And this is what Jesus was saying when he was crucified on the cross and he lifted his head and cried out, My God, my God, it is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he bowed his head and his earthly body ceased to breathe. It passed. From existence. That was part of the plan. Now Joseph of Arimathea, who was a wealthy, wealthy man, also though a follower of Jesus' teaching. And he loved the Lord. And he went to Pilate and he said, I want his body. I have a tomb. I have a place. I'm going to lay him at rest. Because they were going to throw him in what uh, in later decades became known as the potter's field. They didn't, some people didn't have money, so they threw him in a pit and they threw him in a field 
and they had, they'd throw some sand and, and lime over them, and then they'd throw in another one, another one, pretty soon this thing had so many in it, and then they'd, they'd bury the whole thing. That's where they were going to put our Lord God, the sovereign Lord Jesus, the, the almighty Son of God, the only begotten Son of God that came to do that. They were going to throw him in a potter's field. But they did not, because Joseph came and took him and put him in his tomb that was carved out of stone. But that big old stone was rolled away. Not so Jesus could get away. Listen, that was the almighty son of God that you think that really that he needed to roll the stone away so he could get away. No, the stone was rolled away so that others could see in and see that he was not there. And I shared this one time a long while ago that there was a description in the way that these really well-made tombs were created in these burial areas for wealthy individuals. They were carved out of stone and they were, and the stone that was placed over the front was, everything was carved so that it would set and fit in there. And that there was, uh, they built little, it wasn't a true machination, but it was a way that they could put the stone in place with little effort, little, a few men as possible, and then they had it wedged and they put it in place. <clears throat> now that stone probably weighed a couple tons, at least. I mean, it was, it was large. And with effort, they, they put it in place. And then the wedge was placed in the wheel and it was set. And then, of course, the pharisaical pompous asses tried to convince that those who were placed and also we forget this that there were soldiers that were placed on guard on each side in front of and they they had relief that would when one got tired of sleep they'd kick them over and let them go to bed and then the next one would come up and they were on duty all the time Romans were pretty firm in what they did and when it came to things like that and the guards were struck down and basically by the hand of God and the working of the angel that he sent, they were put to sleep. Time to go to bed, guys. Poof, and they went down and they went to sleep. And the Pharisees said that they need, and they, there were also temple guards that were with them, but they were all asleep. So they didn't see everything that took place, but they were told to tell the masses that the disciples came and overpowered them and stole the body. Okay, let's start, let's start here and there, okay? That the apostles came and overpowered, trained temple guards and Roman guards. The disciples came and overpowered them. And rolled a stone that weighed a couple tons out of place. Stole the body. And took off. What's the problem with that? First of all, there are maybe only a couple individuals that would have been fighting. And the others would have maybe joined in because they were together. Uh, you had Peter who was constantly fussing and fighting hiding, and then you had um, Simon the Zealot, who was in a faction before he became part of Jesus' walk, <clears throat> and he could have possibly, so you had two out of twelve, and then you had the others that followed the teaching, and then you added to that number, now the lie unravels more and more. And if you look around at the lie that Satan devises in your mind unravels more and more when you study it and you stay in the word of God. When you do comparative thinking and you compare yourself to all these things and you get, you shake your head and you rebuke the power of the minions and of Satan himself, which we have given authority, been given that authority. Satan 
camouflages, disguises, and outright lies to individuals, and they believe them. Why is it that people will believe the lie more than they believe the truth? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. For me, that's not logical. For me, it's not logical to rely on lies and so truth. But see, here's the thing. I had to learn this. The Lord taught me this. And I'll share this with you because I've been forgiven of this, but it, it still troubles my, honestly, it troubles my heart. I, and, and the Lord knows this. My oldest son's mother, whom I still love deeply, which is why I've been alone all this time. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not wallowing in self-pity. I'm not wallowing in, <clears throat> in guilt or shame and all this stuff. The Lord's forgiven me for it. She's forgiven me. But the point that I'm making is I believe the lies that were perpetrated through mammon who were telling me things that were not accurate and not even true, but from their perspective, it appeared to be a certain way. <clears throat> but at that time, I was not walking with the Lord. I was not in relationship with God as I should have been. Had I been, I guarantee, I know, that if I'd been walking with the Lord then like I am now, that we'd still be together. I know that. Why? Because God tells me so. Everything that is God-centered is powerful. It is strong. It's meant to be. But because I followed the lies that were put in their mind from their perspective, from what the devil was telling them, I believed them and I didn't talk to her and I didn't talk to God. And I put it asunder as the scripture in the Bible that so many use, what God has made or put together, let no man put asunder. Well, I sundered it. And God forgave me that. She's forgiven me of that. But the thing that I'm sharing is, as I say, I'm not wallowing in self-pity behind it, but this is what we do. We choose to believe a lie instead of the truth. And that's true. And many times... It's not even an intentional thing. We might think that we're following truth or following the right way, but we're not asking about it as we should be and not asking for something from the someone that we should be talking to. And we decide to buy that. And, and people do it constantly. Mammon will constantly do that. You look around and you see what's going on now. The derisiveness, the hatred, the separation, the divinity or dividing of the masses, which is such a huge deception anyway. And you have people that will believe the lies that are being pandered rather than the truth that comes from God. God determined the tonation of the skin. He decided what, how much of certain things were going to go into certain bodies to create their skin tone. The character of our heart is ours to determine. <clears throat> and so many sadly decide that they're going to be at enmity with everything. And everyone. Why? Because they don't look like me. That's pretty sad in reality. But here's the thing. When Jesus got ready to leave and he got ready to go to prepare a home, he wasn't going to be here to counsel, to guide us, to teach us, to we could follow his steps because we could see where he was walking. And he told us that the Father was going to send us a counselor, a comforter, our helper. Now, there's a Greek word. This is where the word parakletos comes from. That's Greek. And the Greek used that term for a counselor, the parakletos. The parakletos of the king, the parakletos of the, of the regent, or, you know, whatever. That It was a counselor. He counseled with them. And it's actually a two-part word. 
para, which means beside or next to, and the other word is kelio, the words together parakletos, the counselor, our Holy Spirit. So parakletos, the counselor, to call. We call the counselor. We call him to be next to us. We call him to be beside us. If we're following the teaching of the Lord, we're following God, he is our teacher and our comforter. If there's no one that's walking with us, remember this, that we are not alone. We are never alone. God promises throughout the Bible, and he tells in the book of Deuteronomy, way up yonder in the front of the Bible, remember, the Garapidene, front to back, first to last, last front. And then say, I, excuse me, but I find that rather profound. First and last, who is the first and last? Lord God Almighty is I am that I am. First and last, author, finisher. Maker of all things made, Abba, Yahweh. So when you go, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, and he is sent to us so that we are not alone. We have no reason to, and there are individuals that believe that white noise lying individual, Satan. They listen to his lies and the lies of the minions that work for him that walk on this mammalian plane of existence rather than the word of God, his truth. They would believe a lie over the truth. And sometimes we get caught into the middle of that and prefer, why is it that people prefer a lie? Why? Because lies tend to lead, misguide and mislead and give false hope and false comfort. And we're looking for that and even worse so now, and I'm looking at these lies that are being poured out and people are all over it, all over it, and they're not listening to the truth. I pray the truth be heard, listened to, and that the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our guide, our teacher, which he, the Holy Spirit is all of these things, and that we remember to pray the Holy Spirit to call next to us to guide and keep us. Remember, the Holy Spirit will guide our steps, <laughs> or guard, will guide our path. Doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect. Doesn't mean that everything is going to be down there and that uh, the Holy Spirit walks out in front of us and kind of like if you've ever seen the winter sport called curling, I found it kind of puzzling, but it's it's like, uh, sorry about that, I went to the valley again. It's similar to uh, shuffleboard, but it's played in ice, and they have these sweeps, they call them, and they go out in front when the person curls a stone, and they get out in front, and they sweep the path that the stone is supposed to follow, so it gets into the house and bumps another stone out of the way, and it takes place, and... And that's not what the Holy Spirit is about. He's not to sweep our paths. He's to guide us through so that we step around any obstacles, that the detour is the way that we're supposed to go and we're supposed to... The Holy Spirit is our Father and watching out for us and comes to us in that form of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, Paracletos. Call our counselor, call next to us the Holy Spirit, the comforter. And here's the other thing. I've shared this with you, that a comforter does no good if you don't use it. And uh, I had a pastor that I listened to, I haven't listened to his teaching in a while. I, I like the guy. The Holy Spirit actually told me that he's got a good spirit. And while I just said that, I'm gonna I'm gonna visit something. I think it is absolutely despicable that these egregious 
alleged pastors and teachers of the word are getting and making postings and naming names about all the fakers and that they're doing these. Now, there are some on that list that are, and I have found them to be showing what they really are, but they still have the opportunity for repentance. But what I really find despicable is that these individuals have no problem with getting up and then they turn around at the same time they ask for people to give them donations to help them to spread the word. What liars and false teachings. It's pretty powerful, but they are indeed doing that. But our Holy Spirit and our counselor, what good is our comforter if we don't use the comforter? It's like a like the pastor that I was sharing just a moment ago. <laughs> he was scolded. His wife scolded him because he went to take the comforter off the back of the couch and he was going to put it on his lap in his magic chair and supposedly watch the program or do some reading, but magic chairs have a tendency to put people to sleep really fast. And if he was comforted with the comforter, yeah, he would have been out. So she chastised him and said, no, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And he said, well, why? I wanted to... She said, it's to look at. So he made fun of his wife. It was, it was a good thing. He wasn't... So here's the point that he was making. Well, wait a second. You just went and bought this really beautiful comforter and we can't use it to be comfortable. We can only look at it. You could take one of the old ones out of the closet. So he couldn't use this really nice comforter that was already in the living room. He had to get up and go out and go in the linen closet down the hall, back of the house, wherever it was in their residence. And he had to get out an old, musty, dusty, rusty comforter and put that on his lap. He couldn't use this really nice, reachable, no traveling, right there, looking at it, and it looked really nice. Couldn't do it because it was only to look at. Do we make that our Holy Spirit's job just to look at and, and be idle and just be there, the Holy Spirit will respond, but we have to put him to work. Our angels, <clears throat> there are working angels that come to guide us, to, to safeguard us and to watch over us. But if we don't call out for the Lord's help and the help of the Holy Spirit, then he can't put them to work. So they're standing up there in the corner they're standing up there, what, the the heavenly fountain, the water cooler. I don't know what they've got up there. I haven't been to heaven yet, but, I, you know, it could be many different things for individuals. But they're they're standing around, and they're, they're not doing it because we're not calling them. They're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. <clears throat> and then they have been all the time, but we don't call them. Why? Because they're just to look at. Well, the Lord showed me mine. And let me tell you this about that. I love the fact that this, my guardian, is on guard and stands where he is 24-7. Wow. It was so powerful. Why God does what he does, I don't know. But I know that he does it for our good and our benefit, and he loves us. Jesus came for us. Jesus came to sacrifice himself for all of us. While we were yet at enmity with him, and when he left us, <clears throat> excuse me, he gave us power and authority, and Father sent a comforter in his place. And if you don't use, you don't talk to, and you don't call on, and no purpose. Throughout the word of God, he promises that he will be with us, not to be afraid, not to be dismayed. Deuteronomy and Joshua and Isaiah, there are places all through there. And Isaiah declares, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We shall mount up with wings as eagles. We shall soar above any storm and tempest. If we seek the Lord, we wait on the Lord and we take his guidance. Pretty simple. 
But the problem that we have is we have the are we there yet syndrome. And that syndrome is powerful. Saw it as we've gone, if any of you out there have children and or have had young children, and you know, are we there yet? We there yet? We there yet? When are we going to get there? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We do the same thing to God. Are you here yet? You take care of it yet? You did this, you did that. You got to remember something that God's watch does not function on our time. God's function is on that universe that he created and it's on his time, not ours. And constantly badgering God about if he's got it done yet, has he got it done yet, instead of waiting upon the Lord who will renew our strength through that walk. And when we have those issues of the doubt, talk to God. Call on the Holy Spirit. Bring the Holy Spirit next to who will walk beside us and guide us. I love that old song. I love this old, it's an old song. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the thing that is so beautiful about this is that God is so full of love, so full of comfort, and his, his blessings are profoundly limitless. I shared that vision inside the treasury. God doesn't run dry. God doesn't run out. And he, gives, he can tell each and every single one of his children that you are my own. I love you so very much. And he's not lying. God cannot lie. He's not lying. He said, I love you so much. You're my own. He can treat us each that way. We, on the other hand, cannot do that. And what we fail to understand is that very thing. Is that we, how can God do that? How can God do that? How can God do, what are we doing? We're trying to figure God out with our finite mind. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. We cannot walk in his steps because he is Lord God, sovereign of all things. Abba Yahweh, Father, maker of all things made. We can't figure him out, so stop trying. Have faith. Walk in faith. Brothers and sisters, you're in my prayers. I'm going out. I'm coming in.